You're listening to NVC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas. Student at Northwest Vista College. Today, I'll be reading a story of a senior in high school starting off 2020, the beginning of the worst year ever. New Year's Eve 2020 was a very unforgettable night. Let's start from the beginning. December 31st, 2019, at 7 in the morning, I woke up. I began my morning with a big breakfast. I always take too long to eat and end up having to rush and get ready for work. I jumped in the shower, feeling rushed. I only took a 15-minute shower. Before leaving the house, I got dressed in my hot daddy shirt, my high-waisted skinny jeans, and a yellow headband. Running out the house, I ended up... 10 minutes late to work. This is exactly how I knew today was going to be a terrible day. Work began fairly slow but picked up during rush hour. I just kept thinking about New Year's and all the things I would do with my dad and his family. My dad got married about two years ago to a woman named April. A year ago, my dad and April had a baby and named her Zamora. This year, my dad told me for New Year's he would drive up to Houston from Brownsville to see me and spend time with me. During my shift, I felt a little concerned about why he wasn't in Houston yet. I felt worried and questioned if everything was okay or if something had happened. I took my lunch break around 4. I called my dad right away. Hey dad, I just wanted to call you to see if you were in Houston yet. He replied with, oh, we're not going to Houston anymore. Being in shock, I said, what? He proceeded to tell me that As a family, they decided to stay and celebrate in Brownsville. I told him how earlier that day my mom left for Brownsville to celebrate New Year's with her parents, that I would end up spending New Year's alone because he didn't tell me early enough that he wouldn't be coming. I said anything I could to make him come and celebrate in Houston. Dad, please come. I don't want to be alone. You told me you would come and stay a few days. You told me you wanted to see me and to eat at my work. Please don't leave me alone. All he said was, sorry, we already decided. I'll drive through Houston tomorrow to pick up the gifts you got for Zamora. We won't be able to stay for long, so just send the address of your work. This left me so heartbroken, you have no idea. I called my mom with full-blown tears running down my face. I told her about the whole conversation with my dad and about my frustration with him never choosing me. She said that she was so sorry and that she could leave in two hours to come back to Houston. I felt so bad. I know the whole reason we moved back to Texas was so she could be closer to her family. I told her that I would figure it out and that she should stay. I had to calm down and stop crying before getting back to work. I told her how much I loved her and went on my way. All day at work, I tried getting my mind off it and putting my focus into the tasks assigned to me. Before closing, all the girls went into the bathroom and got dressed. I was one of them, because even though I was going to be alone, I was still going to be extra as possible. On my way home, I received a call from a guy named Savian. Savian and I used to date about two years ago. I started talking to him again at the beginning of December and every day since. I was excited to show him my New Year's outfit. When I got home, he was so confused on why I was home alone. He knows how rocky my relationship with my dad is, so I briefly told him the situation and spent the entire night with him on the phone. This conversation was something so unforgettable. Midnight came sooner than expected, and we spent New Year's on the phone together. Since starting off the New Year's with him, my wish was to end the New Year's with him. Kind of cheesy, right? 
But tonight showed me a lot about him and the person he was going to be with me. This night meant so much to me. So much so, I don't think he'll ever understand exactly how much. Ten minutes after, I got a call from my mom and my entire family in Brownsville. It made me really happy to know that they were thinking of me and they missed me. It, was, it also felt good to know I had family and friends around me who really loved me. Now I know who truly appreciates me. Hello, my name is Darius. I'll be reading about how I moved away from home in my memoir, Changing Homes. My name is Darius. I'm eight and live in a house in Topeka, Kansas with my mom. My mom spends most of her time working at Payless to provide for, for me and her. My dad left when I was three, so he wasn't really around. We lived in the same street as my grandma and aunt, so I spent a lot of time with them. My best friend happens to be my older cousin, Biddo, who lives with my aunt. Although Biddo is three years older than me, we both attend the same elementary school. School has never been fun for me because I don't have many friends and I'm usually pretty shy. I spend all of my free time with my family and I've grown really close to them. I never want to be away from them. The school year had finished and summer had finally started. I spent the first weeks of summer hanging out with Biddo and playing video games. Life was great and felt as if nothing could go wrong. But right as life got good, my mom came home with some life-changing news. I sat down with my mom and she excitedly explained to me that she had received a job opportunity in San Antonio and would be taking it. My heart stopped. I hated the thought of moving and leaving my family behind. I cried endlessly until the day came where we finally started our journey to San Antonio. I said my goodbyes to my family and began our car ride to San Antonio. The car ride seemed as if it was never going to end. The first half of the car ride was spent in silence and filled with sorrow, but my mom had a different look on things. She kept a smile on her face and reminded me that everything was going to be okay. Soon after cheering up, I took a nap. I woke up to see something I had never experienced before. Buildings in every direction so tall it almost seemed as if they'd never stopped. Each building filled with bright lights that carried out into the night sky. We finally arrived outside of an apartment complex filled with huge yellow three-story buildings. We parked at our building and carried what we had up to our apartment. I entered the apartment excitedly, ready to see my new room. I instantly noticed that the apartment was bare and nothing was there. Confused, I asked where our furniture was, to which my mom explained that the moving company was running late. All of my joy excitement instantly left my body. The next day, we went to get breakfast at a new place to me named Taco Cabana. My mom ordered me two bean and cheese tacos and we began to eat. I instantly fell in love with these new soft tacos. After eating, we drove home. When we arrived home, my mom and I noticed a boy that was playing by himself outside. My mom encouraged me to go talk to the boy and at least try to make friends. I built up enough courage to conquer my fear and to try to make a friend. I went up and spoke to the boy and found out his name was Sebastian. Even though I was nervous, he continued to talk to me and even invited me to come play with him and his two brothers. I spent my day roaming around the apartment complex with my newfound friends until night. We spent the next weeks of summer together. Through those weeks, Sebastian introduced me to a boy in our grade named Brighton. We instantly became friends, and the three of us continued to hang out until summer's end. I finally realized how easy it can be to make friends, and I'm prepared to start at my new school. Hey, this is Sydney, or as my grandma calls me, Angel. Today, I'll tell you about her visit to Heaven's Door and my story, Everlasting Faith. My world came to a sudden halt. Time stopped hope disintegrated, 
and prayer seemed to be a failing call into the unknown void of life or death. My grandma, my favorite human, her chest being severed in half and her heart being exposed was the primary thought glued to my mind. The impeccable hands of doctors and surgeons repulsed me, and for a moment, that now inevitable contact was my one and only fear. Dear God, please don't take her. I found out a week before the operation. My grandma suddenly grew quiet as we sat in her living room together, piled underneath blankets. Angel, I have news, my grandma reluctantly whispered as she gently tapped my arm with her delicate fingertips. Her eyes were filled with pain, which instantly echoed. This is information I am not wanting to hear. She began to explain how a persistent annoyance of chest pain and shortness of breath led to her diagnosis. Four clogged arteries within her heart. An obstruction like this requires open heart surgery. In my grandma's case, a quadruple bypass procedure was needed. I was instantly frozen. Everything fell impossible to me. This has to be a joke, I pleaded internally, never looking away from her bright green eyes. Seven days quickly rolled by and my grandma, unfortunately, was not amusing my transparent state of terror. No amount of time I got with her satisfied me. Although this was a selfish request, I needed more time with the most extraordinary woman in my life. How could a world without her dare to exist? I was convinced she was joking, and I was angry at the undeniable truth. It then became clear to me that I was grieving for my grandmother without her even being gone. My faith was deteriorating. I yearned for a door to open, exposing all of the reasoning and fate of my grandma. I was drowning in guilt for having these thoughts, being angry and skeptic towards God, as I was raised in a very religious household. I questioned his plan regarding my grandma daily, but she didn't seem to view the path she was going down as being anything less than what God had in store for her. Before my grandma was rolled through the terrifying doors of the surgical wing, she grabbed my hand and whispered intently, If God thinks it's my time, I will love you from the sky, in heaven. My body was now running on rage and confusion. My grandma was about to undergo a life-threatening operation, and the last thing she said to me involved God and his hold of her future. I was confined to the waiting room with my worried parents for what felt like years. I took more steps in that tiny private room than I ever have from a constant pacing. Eventually, the surgeon walked through the intimidating door of the waiting room and made his way towards my family. I unintentionally grabbed my necklace, a heart welded between a silver cross, that I've had around my neck for a decade. The operation went great, he said with confidence. You are more than welcome to go and visit her now. I snapped my head up from the downward angle it was positioned as I was staring at the ground, and my eyes began to swell with tears. My parents reached to hug me, even tighter than ever, taking their time to release their hold of me as we then proceeded down the bland hallway of the ICU. Faith and prayer is what kept my grandma alive before, during, and after her surgery. Two years later, I still get to hear her voice while she takes charge of preparing Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthday dinners. Although I began to question and revoke my faith, I remained convinced that God was speaking to me through my grandma that morning, teaching me to never give up on his ultimate plan. My name is Aaron Ayala. I will be telling a story of how one of the toughest days of my life turned into the most impactful day of my life, a long last day. Growing up, my family and I would meet up at my grandparents' house just about every other day to spend time with one another. 
always had an entry ticket of giving both my grandparents a hug. After doing so, I would immediately look for my cousins and see what kind of game they wanted to play. As we would play, I always remember looking over towards the barbecue pit and see my family there sitting and talking. I could always depend on seeing my grandpa wearing his green flannel and holding a Lone Star in his hand. At the end of the day, I would hug both of my grandparents and tell them I loved them, knowing I was going to see them the next day and do the same thing. I was in fifth grade and had no worries in the world. I was at my grandparents' house waiting for school time so my grandma could drop me off. When it came around that time, I told my grandpa bye and I loved him and left. I got to school and went to my first class. Throughout the first class, my stomach started to hurt badly. When class was over, I made my way to the nurse's office to see if there was anything that could be done to help the pain. She ended up calling my mother to inform her. My mom ended up picking me up and taking me to my grandparents' house so she could go back to work. She dropped me off and neither of my grandparents were there. I figured that they just went to the grocery store and I told my mom that she could go back to work. She left and I turned the TV on to watch something. About an hour passes and there's still no sight of them. I didn't think about, about it and just kept watching my show. I finally heard a car drive up, but it wasn't my grandma's car. It was my aunt and my uncle. I was confused why they were there so early because they usually got out of work later. They both walk in the house with worrisome looks. They only say hey to me and walk in the kitchen to get away. I then started to hear my aunt cry and my uncle getting sad too. I just let it be and turn the TV down to eavesdrop in. I couldn't make anything out and started to become worrisome myself. A bit later, my dad shows up and tells me my grandpa was sick and was in the hospital. He told me to get in the truck and we will head over there. When we got there, I instantly saw many of my family members waiting in the waiting room. At the time, they weren't allowing anyone to go in to see him, so we had to wait. After what seemed like hours, they finally started letting people go into his room. Some of my family members went in, so, went in, so my parents and I had to wait to get so we could go in. They got back and my parents asked me if I was ready to go in. I wanted to go in, but I couldn't. I was too scared to see how he was. I told my parents for them to go in and I would just wait in the waiting room for them. Time passes by and I learned he passed away. My whole family ended up making their way into his room. As soon as I saw him, I started sobbing. We were all in such shock seeing him that way and everyone had tears running down their face. I began to think if I went in earlier with my parents, that I could have said goodbye to him and tell him how much he meant to me. I had, I had the chance to speak to him one last time, but I let the fear get the best of me. This incident made a huge impact on my life. I learned that I cannot live life in fear because it will only hold me back on the things I need to do. If I wasn't living in fear at the time, I would have been able to tell one of my idols how much I loved him before it was too late. I vowed to myself that I would never, never let fear get the best of me. Despite me making the biggest mistake of my life, if it didn't happen, I truly do not know where I would be in life now.
Okay, <clears throat> this is my, I'm Frank and I am a student at Northwest Vista College. And this is my story I like to call Help I Need Somebody. Okay. I never thought I would actually do it. How can I tell my parents I can live with it, can I? Whatever it was too late. These questions and more are what I would ask myself every single day for a long time. I didn't know I had to wait until summer of 2019 to finally get my answer and from a surprising person to give it to me. To this day, it's still a very touching and sensitive topic to me. I had to start this bluntly and honestly. I have been suffering from bad depression and anxiety for a few years. My issues started during my freshman year. High school was just too stressful for me. I've had self-doubt issues before high school and I have had very low self-esteem issues since elementary school. Bullying problems didn't help much either. My big dumb point was when my best friend Gianna had to leave to a different school. I'm going to have to be honest, I really liked her a lot. She was the kindest and most beautiful girl and we had so much in common. I didn't have very many friends, I still don't, but my feelings for her got the best of me and I felt very alone in, in the dark. My friend group helped, but something was just off. 2019 came along and it was something special. I met a familiar face in the mall. It was Gianna. I was, very, I was so happy. It was such a surreal experience to see again after three long years. Just like magic, my feelings for her came back instantly. I made sure to tell her how I felt and asked her out when we went to watch a movie. She said yes, it was so amazing to finally have a girlfriend, much less my best friend being her. She wanted a girl on her first official day at SeaWorld, and she had a season pass. I said yes. During that time, I really wanted to tell my parents about my issues, but I was still scared and had no true desire to tell them yet. I knew the date would go well, but I didn't think I truly experienced, expected it to change my life. It was June 1st of 2019. It was a bright and sunny day. I was excited to see her again on our date and we were starting it off well at the water park. It was bound to be fun, but as time went on, it started to get scary. I wanted to impress her and have a good time and make a good first impression. Gianna was dressed in a pretty navy blue one piece and I was wearing my bright red swimsuit. We began going on different rides, but we enjoyed our time at the Lazy River the most. It was getting late, so we decided to eat. We were waiting in line, but my anxiety kicked in badly. I tried to hide it, but it was getting to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. When we got our food, we began to eat. Gianna began to eat, at least. I couldn't at all. I was too nervous. Gianna could tell something was wrong. She asked me, what's wrong? You look a bit jittery. I had to tell her everything at that point. That I have terrible anxiety and I can't eat when I'm like this. She listened and she understood. She knew how I felt and she has the same problems too. I realized that I needed to do something about it and she gave me the courage to actually tell my parents. And that is my story.
You've been listening to NBC Voice, a podcast for Northwest Vista College in San Antonio, Texas.